Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This will be for Luke chapter 5. And uh, also, this will also cover some Matthew and Luke chapters, or Mark chapters 2. So let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and that's also Galilee, and saw two ships standing on the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were wetting their nets. In other words, they're putting their nets away. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. This is a very creative way to solve this problem. The disciples had not yet been called into full service. They still earned livings and provided for their families. By now they had spent hundreds, if not thousands, of hours learning from the Master, watching miracles, hearing him declare that he was the Messiah. Elder McConkie said, They had not yet as been called into a full-time ministry. They were not yet living the law of consecration, under which all that they had and were was dedicated to the building up of the kingdom and for rolling forth of the work of him whose special witnesses they would soon become. Indeed, it is not until after the day of Pentecost, when the full enjoyment of the gift of the Holy Ghost has come upon them, that the disciples forsake all in the full sense of never returning again to their temporal pursuits. Verse 4, Now when he had done speaking, he said, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft, or a catch, or a haul. The word draft, or drought, is a Renaissance English word that describes a sweeping motion with a net for drawing out a catch of fish. That's by verse by verse. And the, the way you say it is draught, like caught or taught. Verse 5, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. It was, it was their custom to fish all night and early dawn, and to use their lanterns to attract the fish. Peter may have been saying, we're, we're professional fishers, we've done all we know how, and have caught not a thing. How many of us in our fatigue in trying to accomplish something have said, We've already done all we can, and then added, Nevertheless, I will do what you suggest. It is often so easy to give the Lord reasons why his requests of us should not be heeded, but it would but if we would receive the full the net full blessings, we must let down the net. It's also often that we will tell our leaders or church leaders why we can't uh, serve in a certain calling, uh, but then if the call is extended, we need to say yes. Verse 6, And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break, or was breaking. Some see this story as a symbol that Peter and other future apostles were not yet capable of spreading the gospel message entirely on their own, yet after several years of divine training with Christ, they could cast out their nets and bring in until overflowing without the nets breaking. They were then ready to successfully uh, take the message to the world. In John 21.3, we read, Simon Peter said unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. 
And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw in for the multitude of fishes. Down, back to verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, who were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw the multitude of fishes, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Elder McConkie says, Peter is saying, I am unworthy of this honor. A sinner such as I is not fit company for the king, the Lord of hosts. Depart from me, that another more deserving may see thy countenance and behold thy person. Verse 9, For he was astonished, and who were and all who were with him at the draught, the draught of the fishes which they had taken. The ships were approximately 21 feet by 7 feet and 4 feet deep. Filling both boats with fish was to provide a living for the families of these apostles who are now being called into full-time service in the church. About four miles away along the Sea of Galilee was a salt manufacturing enterprise. The wives of the apostles could have taken the fish and using the salt preserved the fish so they could use them personally for years to come as well as selling them to provide an adequate living for their families. With so many fish in the two boats, there was no way they could have sold them before spoiling, but they could preserve them with the salt and and had fish for years to come. So this might be their year's supply or two years' supply of food. Verse 10, And so were also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men, or capture, or take alive. In um, Matthew, it says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Back to, Luke, back to uh, Luke, verse 11, it says, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Sometimes calls to serve come at the moment of our greatest successes. We must learn to leave when the nets are full, not when they are empty. Whether it's the grandparents who are asked to serve a mission when the grandkids are so appealing, or the 15-year-old girl asked to forego dating when invited to the biggest dance of the year, the challenge is the same, but the comfort is the knowledge that the brimming nets are always replaced by a more worthy catch. The Savior is not only inviting us to sacrifice, but to experience a greater joy. Satan selects his disciples when they are idle. Jesus selects his when they are busy at their work. That was by Longden in uh, General Conference of 1966. Um, back to Matthew, it says, And going on from thence he saw other two brethren, James and John, his, his brother, the sons of Zebedee, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Okay, back to Luke, uh, verse. Uh, this is back to Luke, verse, or chapter five, verse twelve. And it came to pass when he when, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou thou canst make me clean. Now notice the word um, full that his leprosy he was full of leprosy. Uh, that has some significance, and we'll explain it here in a minute. Verse 13, He put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but said unto him, Go and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing, according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now to be full of leprosy meant that this man was so full that he was practically dead. That meant that limbs were probably gone already, uh, and much of his flesh was had been, would have been eaten away. So um, anyway, that's uh, what's going on here. Um, Verse 15, But so much more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. 
So Jesus has to leave because there's, again, such a press. Um, so continuing with Luke chapter 5, verse 17, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, who were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So remember that uh, he's entered into uh, this city of Capernaum here. Uh, in Mark 2, it says, Again, he entered into, into Capernaum after many days, and it was noised that he was in the house or at home. And then Mark's, Mark chapter 2, uh, verse 2 says, And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive the multitude, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. He is in the home of Peter. There are so many people that they want to hear him, and he healed and be healed of him that no one else can get in. But four men come carrying a, para, a paralytic man to be healed. Back to Luke verse eighteen, and behold, men brought in a bed, and behold, men brought in a bed, a man who was taken with palsy or was paralyzed, and they sought to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. Elder Talmadge says, in this man's condition, there was plainly a close connection between his past sins and his present affliction. However, Christ recognized his repentance together with the faith that accompanied it. Verse 19, and when they found that they could not bring him in for the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. We've probably seen the video where they go up on the roof to, uh, to do that. The four men ascend to the roof probably by the usual outside stairs found on every or nearly every house. On the roof they do what is near, neither difficult nor uncommon. They make an opening in the hatch-type roof, and through it they lower the suffering man into the presence of Jesus. And when they had, and this is in... Uh, uh, in the Luke version, or in the Mark version, uh, chapter two, verse four, and when they had broken it up, they let down the the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. So they're being creative here in solving a difficult problem. Sometimes we have to seek inspiration to solve difficult problems, like the brother of Jared's experience. He produced the work of preparing the stones, and then asked the Lord to touch them to make them light. Back to um, Luke, verse twenty. Now he saw their faith and said unto him. He said unto the man, Thy sins are forgiven thee. Rightly understood, this is uh, Elder McConkie, rightly understood this event in the life of our Lord was visible and irrefutable proof that he was the Messiah. It was so to recognize by it was so recognized by those among whom he ministered. Now the question might be asked, which is better to be forgiven or to be healed? If Jesus should first forgive the man's sins, since none None but God can forgive sin. Such an act would be announcement that he was God. Then if he commanded the sick person to rise up and walk, it would be proof that his claim to divinity was true. The teaching situation is ideally prepared, and the master teacher knows the course to pursue. The Lord forgives sins, but he does it in harmony with the laws he ordained before the world was. By properly repenting, and by then partaking worthily of the sacraments, so that the Spirit of the Lord will come again into the lives of the penitent persons, members of the kingdom gain forgiveness of sins. We are not told whether the paralytic here forgiven by Jesus was a member of the church or not. The overwhelming probability is that he was, and that Jesus was now forgiving his sins anew, as he did many times to Joseph Smith and the early elders of his latter-day kingdom. Where members of the church are concerned, there is a very close connection between manifestations of healing grace and the forgiveness of sins. 
sins. The very fact that a member of the kingdom has matured in the gospel to the point that he has power through faith in Christ to be healed means that he also has so lived that he is entitled to have his sins remitted. In James chapter 5 it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Back to Luke uh, verse 21, And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now remember, Jesus has set this up so that they recognize that. Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Or why reason ye these things in your hearts? Verse 23, Does it require more power to forgive sins than to make the sick rise up and walk? He that can do one can do the other. As Elder McConkie said, Jesus did what no imposter could have done. He proved his divine power by healing the forgiven man. Uh, and then in, uh, in, in Luke, or in Mark, it says, uh, Thy sins be forgiven thee, then to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. Then in, in uh, Matthew it says, But I said this, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then said Jesus unto the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go and go, go unto thy house. Back to uh, Luke it says, but, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, I said it. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go unto thy house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Uh, back in, in Mark, it says, Immediately he rose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and many glorified God, saying, We never saw the power of God after this manner. The proof of Messiahship could not be controverted. He who claimed to forgive sins, which all agreed none but God could do, had proved his divine power by turning the living death of palsy into the joyous life of physical health and spiritual cleanness. Following this display of power, the polarization of the people increased. And that was by Elder McConkie again. Uh, in Mark it says, And Jesus went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Uh, back to Luke verse 27, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the place where they received custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. Now the same is in uh, Matthew um, chapter 8, and also in Mark chapter 2. Um, Capernaum was an important fishing village. At this time, fishing was not a free enterprise. All fishing industry was controlled by the ruling elites who sold fishing rights to brokers, translated tax collectors, or publicans who in turn contracted with fishers. The fishers received capitation, capitalization along with fishing rights and were therefore indebted to the brokers. The location of Matthew's or Levi's toll office in Capernaum, an important fishing locale, probably identifies him as just such a contractor of royal fishing rights. And so uh, that's what uh, Levi is doing or Matthew is doing here. He's uh, collecting uh, fees for their fishing. Uh, 29, And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him, or with them. So Matthew is having a feast here uh, as he completes his uh, employment. He's kind of having a going away party. 
Verse 30, but the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Verse 33, And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink? And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bridegroom fast, while the bridegroom is with them? And the days will come, when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of new cloth upon an old garment. If so, then the new maketh a rent, and agreeeth not with the old. In other words, it doesn't fit. The new piece doesn't fit. Verse 37, And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles. In other words, these are leather bags or, or wine skins, and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man, also having drank old wine, desireth new, for he saith the old is better. So that's the end of the chapter, and uh, there are some similar verses in Matthew and Luke, uh, Mark. Um, and uh, anyway, that's the end of the chapter for today. We'll see you next time. Bye.